Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Check out the new Like a Dog shirt sticker pack right now. Three stickers, a shirt, and a postcard on sale now at friendomarket.com. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw Mad Chat, the only pro wrestling podcast you need to be listening to right here. YouTube.com forward slash Steven Larson and available wherever fine podcasts are. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notify bell next to it just to make sure you're always, always, always getting your new Going In Raw notifications. Mm-hmm. We're also available on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson, which is where we get the video questions for Matt Chat from at the $20 a month Patreon mark, you too can have your video question featured right here on Matt Chat, but we have reward tiers that go as low as $1. $1. Where you get the show completely and totally ad-free. Uh, it's a great way to support going in raw. Yes. So, Larson, what? we have uh, a, a variety of Matt Chat questions today. You got a lot of them. I got, there's some good questions in here. There's, there's some a good, lot of good questions. You know, questions. sometimes the Matt Chatters... Uh, no, they always bring it. They always bring the good questions. Uh, we're going to kick things off with a brand new patron, a brand new Matt Chatter. It, it's Cactus Jackie. Let's see what she has to say. Hi, Steven Larson. This is Cactus Jackie leading the way for the Going In Raw Matt Chat Women's Evolution. I'm blazing the trail, breaking glass le- ceilings, and at the forefront of change. My first question to you is like you i'm a big fan of all of the nxt call-ups and would love to see them get better storylines and matches in particular i would have loved to have seen ember moon uh, win the uh, battle royal at evolution some of my friends have disagreed with me and say that uh, that they haven't uh, paid their dues yet so my question to you is what does a uh, new to the main roster uh, wwe superstar have to do in order to pay their dues and get those better storylines and matches Thanks, friendos. Have a nice day. Thank you, Cactus Jackie. Thank you, Cactus Jack. Jackie. I'll go first. I don't yeah. know why I have a hard time. I'm used to saying Cactus Jack, but then you just add E after it. Yeah. Cactus Jackie. I love it. It's great. Anyways, um, here's the thing. I, I totally understand the frustration over call-ups. We, you know, we get so invested in NXT. We want to see them come up and basically continue their story from NXT. I've jokingly said that I think that the NXT we see on TV sort of exists in a different universe than on main roster. And to be honest with you, storyline-wise, 
the way they transition sometimes, it really legitimately feels that way. Take Bob Rood is the perfect example. And we've said this a million times. Bob Rood, man, oh, man. He was, I thought he did really, really good work in NXT. Oh, yeah. I feel like they didn't entirely explore exactly what his character was beyond his initial sort of statement of what he wanted NXT to be. He never really brought that to NXT. Uh, he he went to main roster and they turned him from a really effective heel into a really bland baby face and they, they, they still have no idea what to do with him. Um, the question is, what do you have to do to make sure um, they, they treat you right on main roster? I'll be honest, I'm not sure there's anything you can do beyond give it everything you have. You have to understand that NXT, what you do there, seemingly means nothing. You have to treat main roster like a clean slate, like a start over, like a do over. You have to act as if NXT isn't even related to the WWE. I mean, there are certain situations like Asuka, for example, where they do play up her undefeated streak. However, as you've pointed out, when she was when her arrival was imminent, nobody was scared of her. She was terrifying in NXT and everybody was chomping at the bit to say, oh, I want to be first. I want to be first. No, everybody should no, have been. No, they should be scared. Scared, exactly. So what you have to do is essentially act like you're trying to impress a brand new boss. You cannot get by. Well, you don't have to act like it. You have to impress, you have you have to. To impress a brand new boss. Because <laughs> exactly. Triple H has said that Vince has probably never watched an entire episode of NXT. Well, so what do you think? What dues do you have to pay? I, you're not incorrect. I agree with most of what you said. But uh, in terms of impressing your brand new boss, you got to do what Drew McIntyre has been doing. Amen. Because when he debuted, he was he was paired with Dolph Ziggler. And we all thought... Oh, great. What is that? Well, great. They're going to instantly uh, bury Drew McIntyre. Um, but pretty quickly, uh, he established himself as a character uh, 180 degrees from what he was in NXT. Um, he, he, he took what they gave him, sunk his teeth into it, and transformed himself into this sinister heel. And it wasn't just... It wasn't something as, as simple as he changed his approach in the ring, changed his cadence on the mic, changed how he carried himself. It was he went so far as to change how he approached basic, pretty simple mannerisms. Always goes. I mentioned this this example a lot. I don't remember the match. It was Dolph against somebody. He was in the background, and all he does is reach out and grab the ropes. He does it slow, mm-hmm. menacing. Mm-hmm. Like at any moment he could spring forth, leap through those ropes, and deliver to deliver a claymore to whoever Dolph is wrestling. Uh, that dedication to this character, this new character that's completely different than anything he did in NXT, um, opened my eyes. I mean, I was already a huge fan of of Drew, um, but it really shows the breadth of his abilities as a talent, and I'm sure it opened a lot of people's eyes in WWE that you could drop this guy with a completely different character in this situation that countless others may have floundered in, and he has succeeded probably beyond any wildest expectations. Um, he's essentially top heel on Raw right now. Oh, he is. He's yeah. killing it. He's yeah. doing great work, putting on great matches. Um, and that's not to say that other NXT call-ups haven't taken what they've been given and run with it. It's 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 it's, it's, it's sometimes you're just saddled with crap. Well, Bob Roode got saddled with crap. I think you know it. It, it goes back also to something that um, uh, when I was lucky enough to interview Shinsuke Nakamura. And I asked him what the difference between NXT and main roster is. And he said, in NXT, I didn't have to change my style at all. We had time to plan out all these matches. When you're on the main roster, you don't have time for that. So you have to whittle these matches down to their basic essence. 
and and you do have to change your style to the WWE style, which is whittling matches down to their basic essence. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be a, a learning curve for some wrestlers going from NXT. One thing that I'm kind of uh, glad about with the Undisputed Era, obviously one of our favorites, um, is this latest turn for them in NXT where they went from obviously pushing them almost towards face status, you know, like people were really, really loving the the Kyle O'Reilly goofy air guitar stuff. They were really attaching themselves to it. And he still does that. Yeah. But with when Bobby Fish came back, it's almost as if they sort of reset. Okay, we need to be dangerous heel. They even said that Adam Cole said that in his promo when he came when Fish came back. We need to be we're dangerous and everybody needs to know that this is the dangerous place to be because of mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's gonna get them over with Vince when they hit main roster, probably after Mania. Yeah. Much more than, hey, look, we're cool guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's Vince really likes people who give it their all, their intensity. And yeah. I think if you're a sinister, if you're more of a threat you can show that off more. That being said, now when Undisputed Era gets called to Maine, boring baby faces. Um, wait, what's... Oh, yeah, I know exactly. Because know. it seems like Vince more often than not wants to do the opposite of what worked in NXT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's instances like Drew where it works marvelously, and there's yeah. instances like Bob Roode where it's just not working. It's just not... It's not. It's It doesn't fit to what he can do, and Drew's the kind of guy where I actually think... He's 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 actually much more interesting as a heel. Oh heck yes! I mean, this that can be said about a lot of people, but oh, yeah. it's obvious that he gets more of a kick. He finds more interesting uh, aspects of being a heel than a face, even though he did both. You know, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've got uh, a Matt Chat Hall of Famer here, Josh Little. Let's see what he has to say. Who would that fit more with a win at Survivor Series, Becky? Ronda. Thanks, Windows. Thank you, Josh Little. Thank you, Josh Little. Um, There's Becky. She has more to gain from a win at Survivor Series. Um, Ronda's been booked as basically unbeatable. Yeah, unstoppable. Sure. Unstoppable over on Raw. Um, Becky, as they touted on uh, this week's edition of SmackDown has has put together the most wins either this calendar year or the last 365 days. Um, so she's on an impressive uh, win, not really win streak, but she's been uh, putting together a lot of wins. Nonetheless, Becky's not been booked as dominant as Ronda Rousey. And if they really want to establish Becky as the man, have her go over Ronda Rousey. Um, and and really establish her as not just top star in the women's division, probably top star in the entire company. She is probably the most popular star on SmackDown. Um, she's up there for anybody, as hard as anybody in WWE. Um, and if she beat Toronto, that place is going to explode. Um, and, and it's going to send her to a whole other level of stardom. Um, Ronda, in terms of mainstream appeal, Win or lose, it's not going to matter, I think, a Survivor Series. If she loses to Becky Lynch, I don't think how she's covered by the mainstream um, media in relation to her wrestling activities, that's going to matter at all um, in, in, in that sense. And, it, you know, Becky is booked as a fairly dominant champion. A loss to her is, 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 is nowhere close to an embarrassment for Ronda. Um, so it's definitely Becky. If you want to establish Becky as top star, you have her go over Ronda. 
I'm going to try to make a case for Ronda now because I, I pretty much agree with you because what, what you said exactly. Ronda is, is their, their uh, is golden goose an appropriate phrase? <laughs> when, you know, the company puts all their money into something and that thing is not going to lose. It's Ronda Rousey. Yeah. She's not going to lose. That being said, a case could be made that here, here's the thing about Ronda Rousey. I'm going to take the scenic route here. I believe in Becky Lynch's story through her career. I believe in her so much as a professional wrestler. Um, she has done everything. She's hit every home run there is in the world of professional wrestling. She's proven herself time and time again. And that's why her title reign feels so much more precious. It feels so much more real and oh my God, are they going to take that title off? Or I hope not, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. where with Ronda Rousey, they're not going to take that title. Yeah. Off. Yeah. You know, so th yeah. there's a foregone conclusion there. There could be something to Becky and Ronda going to a four and three fourths stars match where Ronda could get some and it, this doesn't really have to do necessarily with a win or a loss. Although Ronda winning over Becky, if Ronda can come off in this match, and I think Becky's the person to bring her there as a true pro wrestler, not somebody who has to be carried, although Becky would be doing the carrying, yes, not somebody who can be carried, but somebody who's carrying their own and putting on a stellar, not a good, not a very good, a stellar match with Becky Lynch. Where by the end of it, I believe Ronda Rousey could have lost. Where I believe Ronda Rousey is now truly a professional wrestler. Then I think Ronda going over Becky in a match that Becky can bring her to would do more for Ronda than it would if Becky yeah, beat Ronda. That's the argument for Ronda that this is the stiffest competition she has faced yet. And if she could beat Becky, it would prove her bona fides as a professional wrestler. Yeah. And then whatever critics are maybe about her in-ring ability would, I would hope, be silenced. Yeah. But, I mean, that all kind of depends on just the match itself, not yeah. necessarily the outcome. Yeah. But if she beats Becky, if, if they somehow pull off a match where, and I'm really interested to see if they're going to do this. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence in terms of are they going to do like a scrub finish or is this going to be like. Yeah, I don't know. Legit, because I, don't know. I mean, one thing about Becky is that, man, they have acknowledged that she is hot, mm -hmm. that she is on a streak right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the if if they've determined already what that outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. But. Man, oh, man, I mean, they've got some decisions to make about that yeah. one because yeah. you can't have. A 12-minute match where Ronda just makes Becky tap out. I know. You cannot do that. No. You cannot do that. No. This has to be a special match, especially coming off that Charlotte-Becky match yes. that they had. Yes, this Any, has anything to be less special. than special is going to seem like a huge disappointment, regardless of who wins. Either special or just plain overbooked with a bunch of people running in. I mean, and it, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that is that more than A.J. Brock, these two – you want to protect both of them mm -hmm. so hardcore. And that shows what kind of status they have in mm -hmm. the company. Mm -hmm. So an overbooking would almost be a sign of respect to them because you don't want either one to lose. Potentially. 
That'd be interesting if they do that. If something yeah. tells me we're going to get a 12-minute Becky loses match. Yeah, no. I hope not. That's it's like the worst-case scenario. Disappointment. I know. Uh, next, from Christopher Rampersod. Let's see what Christopher has to say. Hello, Stephen Larson. So my question is, is Brock Lesnar, the Marty Hogan, meaning that how the matches are booked for him and how much money he's getting paid a lot? Is your guys' debate, is this true or not? Or how do you feel about the subject? Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Christopher. Um, I guess oh. in the sense that you have someone in the main event who clogs things up and either directly or indirectly doesn't allow the people to put, get their hands on titles, I guess. The circumstances are different. Hogan would politic his way to the tops because he craved that top spot. I think Brock just likes a good payday. Let me ask you something. And so if the payday is associated with holding the universal title, he won't say no to it. I don't think Brock politics to be universal champion. No. No, no. he doesn't care about that. He doesn't give a shit about any of this fantasy land stuff. No. But let me ask you, this sort of raises a good question. When did Hogan start politicking? You know what I mean? Because, so, the, 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 closest, the closest analogy I could think of here with Brock Lesnar and Hulk Hogan is probably early Hogan. Hogan until WrestleMania three, three or four, maybe. But I don't be, know. I don't because that. Because that was Vince saying, cash cow. I'm going to make a ton of money off you yeah, yeah. and just trust me. You're going to, you know, I'm going to book you to the moon. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure Hogan did care or at least that was the point where he started understanding, man, I can make a lot of money if I win a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start making sure that happens because mm-hmm. I'm Hulk Hogan. I'm a big star. I wonder at what point, maybe he started politicking back in the AWA. Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no I am, idea. I am, I'm sure there, there's probably a, Maybe Pritchard has talked about it on his podcast. Could be. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I, that's the huge difference is that as far as we know, Brock doesn't politic. That's, I mean, that's one thing you can say about him. You never heard about Brock Lesnar like walking out because he, somebody was gonna, he was going to lose. This dude walks in. Oh, Goldberg's coming in. Let me lose first because then we can make a ton of money. <laughs> you know? I don't think he gives a damn. He no. just. I think that he's probably – him and Heyman legitimately, I think they probably have – a good mind about hey how what's the best way to make the most amount of money yeah and usually in their heads anyways that's brock winning a lot for an eventual big payday where he loses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's totally happy doing that because oh, yeah. it's a big old yeah, payday. that's all he cares about but yeah i think that's what he cares about. you got I me mean, i kind of respect that you know it's like it's like whatever what do you want me to do what do you want me to do okay i'll do it and we can make more money doing something else you know yeah as hogan it was just about making money for himself honestly hogan he he didn't care about making money. He just loved the. He just loved winning. I know. <laughs> I love winning he fake does. stuff, dude. I know. <laughs> That's so awesome. He, was just, he just said he was going to beat Rusev at WrestleMania. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Next. Wayne Maker. Wayne Maker. Let's see what Wayne Maker has this to say. This end. What's up, Steven Larson? It's your boy, Wayne Maker, here. Now, I want to talk to you about the Bullet Club. And more specifically, the relationship between um, the elite and Bullet Club. Because I've just finished listening to the um, Talk is Jericho with the Bullet Club, where they basically distance themselves from that. Um, and for me, the Bullet Club's always seen, or, or for, for me, the Bullet Club's always been like the um, anti establishment faction. We're not WWE. We can do it on our own. But in New Japan, and it's kind of like a 
to the WWE. So when you turn up to a WWE show in your Bullet Club shirt, you're kind of saying, yeah, we know that we know wrestling and we know better. And when I heard them say, as a collective, they're moving away from um, Bullet Club, I felt that was a bit disrespectful in the sense of all in wouldn't happen if they weren't in Bullet Club. Um, they wouldn't have the name recognition if it weren't for Bullet Club, thinking about t-shirt sales and whatnot. And also it's disrespectful in the sense of there's always been a torch passing in Bullet Club. So one person leaves, someone else comes in. Now they're leaving as a collective. I think it decimates Bullet Club and that's what I feel is the biggest disrespect to that that brand and that part of that franchise um so am i wrong or am i right please please discuss this is just my feeling on that it seems that they're using that platform um to get themselves ahead don't get me wrong they're brilliant wrestlers and, and everything like that but i feel that They've used Bullet Club as a stepping stone when it used to be an anti-disestablishment pro protest um, faction. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, Wayne Maker. Yes! Yes! It's absolutely... What he said is exactly right. I literally tweeted at this morning, and what he said is exactly right. As much as I hate to agree with Wayne Maker, passing the torch in Bullet Club. What happened when... Uh, I don't think they. I don't. Think, I don't think they ever kicked out Devitt. Yeah, they did. They did. Okay. Yeah, Young Bucks beat him up. Okay. The same day that uh, same show Styles had his first his match. First match. Kicked, okay. They kicked Devitt out. I know they kicked AJ Styles out. New Year's Dash. Um, and they had that great Kenny Cody thing that was supposed to be who controls Bullet Club. That match that they had, their blow off match. Um, and 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 then and then Firing Squad comes in. And it's like, oh man, the elite, the biggest, the most popular era of Bullet Club, I think not even close, has been Kenny Cody Bucks. Yeah. And then Hangman Skrull. Not even close because of the merchandise, the being the elite, all that. Say what you will about what their creative has been like. And to, you know, because I personally, I think that that era. Bullet Club is the, the, most, most, interesting, interesting, the most interesting because yeah. they were scary. Yeah. You know, and as much as I love the matches at the Bucks and, and Cody and Kenny, and I think a lot of the being elite stuff is really funny. It just, you know, it's like, oh, you guys are goofy. I remember when I first started watching New Japan a year and a half ago, I guess. Well, almost two years now, huh? And shortly after that, I was getting really into it and stuff. And I noticed that that uh, Young Bucks and Kenny during that sort of almost downtime from Bullet Club when they were still adjusting bef right before they, they came back up to prominence. After Kenny's first Okada match. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They were wearing a lot of elite stuff. Mm -hmm. They've always had that in well, the back of their heads. No, publicly, they've said, I, even mm -hmm. back as far, that the elite is their focus. Yeah, but then when you go to All In, as Wayne Maker says, when we went to All In and we looked up at the stage... What logo did we see three oh, times over? It was Bullet Club. It was yeah. Bullet Club. Yeah. Exactly. And so, look, it's a business. If New Japan wasn't cool with any of this stuff, then I'm sure if, if New Japan wanted a passing of the torch, a blow off, they probably would have scheduled one. They probably would have. 
so, I mean, you kind of got to put this more less on the elite and more on New Japan, I would think, right? We talked about extensively in our SmackDown mm-hmm. recap this past uh, Wednesday about all this because you brought up the tweet you you yeah. Had. And I don't, I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's disappointing we didn't get a blow-off match or a passing of the torch. I think that's disrespectful. Maybe they didn't want to do a passing of the torch because no one's leaving for another company. Um, and maybe they want to save that story beat for later. As far as we know, we, uh, Kenny or the Young Bucks or Cody aren't going to WWE. We don't know that as of yet. What if they did, what if they did this? What if, what if we're jumping the gun? I'm going to throw this out. What if yeah, we're jumping totally the gun on it? And what if... Once the contract situation is figured out, then they'll have the blow off. Then they'll have, have well, the either a feud. blow off or, the, or they'll have like a proper feud where maybe they'll retake Bullet Club yeah. or something like that. I mean, that. It, it's Wayne Maker talks about how the elite has, has taken advantage or exploited the Bullet Club's popularity to, to advance themselves professionally. The inverse is true as well. New Japan profited handsomely true. Um, due to the ascendance of Bullet Club while Kenny, Young Bucks, and Cody were leading the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a business. Everybody's profited from this business relationship. Um, and if the elite thinks it's better for them business-wise to do their own thing, and if Bullet Club, or sorry, if New Japan thinks it's better for them business-wide to separate the elite from Bullet Club in case they leave, then it, I, I don't see any disrespect in any of it. The only thing that's disappointing in my mind is that we didn't get that, if, if this is really a parting of the ways and this is the end of it, that we didn't get some finality to it. That's the only thing that's disappointing, but I don't necessarily see anything disrespectful. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily. So when I say disrespectful, I'm, I'm sort of tongue-in-cheek because when... I totally lost my train of thought. I, to, I totally lost it right there. No, but when they when they sort of just tweet their way out of Bullet Club, yeah, it's, it's, it's dramatically underwhelming. It is, and it that's is. the only thing missing from it. If there was a dr- good dramatic story being told that concluded, uh, whether it's a literal passing of the torch where mm-hmm. Kenny loses the Tamatanga and heads out the door, mm-hmm. or just kind of a, a a figurative one in the sense where there's Bullet Club on the line, Tamatanga or Jay White, whoever the case may be. Ascends to the leader, and there's some conclusion. This doesn't feel like there's a, a dramatic conclusion. To anything it just ended with a whimper. Yeah, that's 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 sort of the that's sort of the big problem with it. I mean, I, I, I guess I guess is this: if there's any disrespect happening, it's from New Japan not giving the new Bullet Club, the Cutthroat Era, not giving them. They're not starting with the with the kick in the pants. They're not like it was like a picture of them at Denny's, like for their group meeting. <laughs> think it's a boy scout meeting or something yeah like i don't know it just didn't it but it felt that way from the firing squad when they attacked bullet club at the cow palace show and then during the g1 you're like oh this is gonna come yeah, to a right. head yeah and then all the firing squad members just end up getting their, each other dq'd in the g1 i would have a really hard time believing that any of those guys in bullet club maybe maybe that was i don't know man i don't know i have a hard time believing any of those guys would be like yeah, no, we want to protect ourselves, so we're not going to do a, a match where they get control of Bullet Club. Like, that is, doesn't seem like that. I, I no. think they would do whatever New Japan wants them to do, yeah. Yeah. because what do they care? But maybe it's a situation where we have Jay White versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Say Jay White picks up the win. He's emboldened, so he says, Kenny, I'm calling you out. Mm-hmm. That's Kenny's first feud for the title after Wrestle Kingdom. And that's when it all starts to come to the, might come to a head where there's various matches between various members of each faction. Maybe Kenny defeats Jay White and but just based how they book the match and tell the story. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, before I lose my train of thought, I'm sorry to interrupt you. When Tama Tonga is on Twitter, this is the only disrespect that 
I, I might I might think of, and just hear me out here. Tomatong is on Twitter, and he's talking crap to the Young Bucks. And I know it's Twitter, so it's so silly, but that's kind of how things go these days. Tomatong is talking crap to the Young Bucks, right? And how do they respond? Okay, thanks. That's funny, but it it's also... I don't want to, the word isn't dismissive, but it's, oh, well, I don't really care what you say because I'm doing my thing over here and I don't care about yeah, Bullet yeah. Club. It's not feeding into it's what not should feeding, be. feeding, yeah. I mean, if, if there was a potential here to. to like, if, to, if, I'm, if I'm Tomatonga, I'm like, work with me here. Yeah, like, exactly. shoot something back so at I me. think there's a potential here if they're going to have this transitionary period of Bullet Club to do something interesting that could, I don't want to necessarily say catapult Bullet Club to greater heights, but. Set it in a new direction. Sure, yeah, and it's yeah, an, an interesting, interesting direction, yeah, something different, yeah. And it just seems like they haven't done it, yeah, for whatever reason. We don't know. Maybe it's something they're waiting until after Wrestle Kingdom until the contract situation's worked out. And if so, that makes perfect sense. Sure, yeah. I mean, no, I look. I will guarantee if if New Japan, I would think if New J- New Japan loves their factions, even though they're a hot mess right now. Like what's going on with Chaos? We don't know. Um, if if New Japan re-signs the Elite, mm-hmm. this can't be the end of the Elite versus Bullet Club. No. Like they've got to revisit that. Yeah, I yeah. Would think. And I would not be surprised at New Year's Dash to see Jay White lay out Kenny Omega. And if they, if they do end up signing with WWE, um, I would still think they would do some sort of. I don't know if they'll get the opportunity. Unless it's it's really just New Year's Dash because the Young Bucks contracts are up. December thirty first, yeah, or January first of free agents. I, I so they'll work. Think, they'll work Wrestle Kingdom. If yeah, they're yeah. Even if they're if they're leaving, New Year's Dash would have to be mm-hmm. a kick you in the butt goodbye. Yeah, that's why I was with AJ. You know, so but I feel, I feel what you're saying, Wayne Maker. I do. Like it. It just lacks a. You know, you want that blow off where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, no, these guys are now standing tall. Yeah. Um, and I think that would have benefited. Jay White and Tomatonga and the rest of Bullet Club OG a lot. Yeah. Instead of just kind of things fizzling out. Uh, next, B-Man. B-Man. Patrick Sparks. Let's see what Patrick Sparks has to say. Hey, friendos. Pat here. All right. Halloween's come and gone. Thanksgiving's are coming. But what I want you to debate, which Halloween Havoc is the best Halloween Havoc and which one is the worst? We all know that there's good matches on some of them like Vader and Cactus Jack, and there's bad matches, like my one I mentioned a couple weeks ago of Hogan Warrior, but which pay-per-view is overall the best, and which one is the worst? Thanks. Bye, friendos. Thank you, B-Man. Thank you, B-Man. We Um, have the same answer. Yeah, best one's probably Halloween Havoc 93, mostly due on the, the strength of the main event, Cactus Jack versus Vader, in a spin the wheel, make a deal, Texas death match. So we haven't we haven't talked about that. We I think we did a going in review on this, didn't we? Mm-mm. We didn't. No. Are you serious? No. Oh wow. Not that one. Oh wow. Um, we should. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we haven't really talked about it. I know we've talked about it a couple times. Yeah, but yeah. We talked about this. This match. I've watched. Okay, you know you're right because I I think I've only watched like the main event, maybe some other stuff, but it's it's WCW and. This isn't like it's ECW or FMW or something like that, where the crowd is all there for death matches and yeah, violence, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. This is WCW, 
So like the crowd is like, you know, a normal wrestling crowd, like lots of families there and stuff. And then they have that corny Halloween Havoc set. Right. And in the main event, you've got a legit, and this was a rough, physical, violent match, a Texas death match between Vader and Cactus Jack that is brutal and really out of place, like seriously out of place, which makes it great, which makes it absolutely great. I'm looking at the rest of the card. I'm sure there's other great stuff here. Look at that. How can you go wrong with Rick Rude versus uh, Ric Flair for 20 minutes? Sting versus Sid. Oh, it's got to be great. That's got to be five stars right there. Dustin Rhodes versus Steve Austin for right. the 27th time, I'm sure. Oh, Regal versus... They seem like uh, they wrestled endlessly in the early 90s. <laughs> Regal versus uh, the British Bulldog here. All good stuff. Now the worst. It's easy. Halloween Havoc 98. I mean, the main event was, had to be preempted because of Hogan and Warrior. So it's been a little while since I've actually watched it, although I do remember very, very clearly. And I'm, I'm curious. I want to watch Brian Zane's video about it. Oh, yeah. Because um, he just did that like a couple days ago. Um, so, yeah, we had Hogan versus Warrior, a two, which was awful. One of the worst matches ever. Aw, awful. Two men completely on different pages. Yeah. Completely. It's it's as if, you know, like we've heard from, you know, our wrestling friend and H champion, Adam Mayhem, that, you know, you, you go to a wrestling show, you go up to the dude you're you're fighting, and you say, Hey, uh, uh what do you want to do for this match? Okay, cool. Yeah, this, this is what I do, this is what you do. Okay, cool. This felt like Hogan went up to one person and said, Hey, what do you want to do for this match? And it wasn't Warrior. And then Warrior went up to a different person and said, What do you want to do for this match? And then, then they said something different. And then these two had a match. Yeah. It literally felt like two men having two different matches. Yeah, there was no pre-planning whatsoever. And then, because nobody knew how to do time management properly, a match that actually apparently was pretty decent, Goldberg versus Diamond Dallas Page, uh, did it get cut off early or did it not uh, even? Some areas, the, the feed of the pay-per-view cut off after Hogan Warrior. And so Goldberg versus DDP for the heavyweight championship. It was a dark match. Aired. On Nitro the following night. Oh, Lord. Didn't they have to do like a ton of refunds? Yeah. Oh, 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 man. But look look at the rest of this card. You have Bret Hart versus Sting. Should be great. Mm -hmm. Something that ended by knockout. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash uh, concluded with a countout. That could have been. They never had like a proper Scott Hall isn't being. Remember that? I think they were doing like a storyline where Scott Hall was like, was an alcoholic on air and yeah. he'd show up to his matches drunk. Yeah. They never really had a, hey, Scott Hall gets back, you know, to full force no. and let's fight Kevin Nash for not being my friend during mm-hmm. this or something like that. Mm-hmm. They never did that. Nope. It's a terrible show. Awful. Look at this. Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner. Wow. That actually legitimately sounds great. They gave it five minutes. It's because uh, Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell defeated the giant and Scott Steiner right before it for the WCW world tag team titles. What would be the impetus for that? Why would they then have a singles match right afterwards? I don't know. It's all ridiculous. Jeez. All ridiculous. Oh, but wrath beat Ming four minute, 20 minutes, Chris Jericho 20. versus Raven for the that TV. That was probably pretty that good. Could be fun, but it's only, it's less than eight minutes. Well, you know, so what are you do? Uh, next Tim Spulock has a question or his wife has a question for us. Oh, Hi, Steve and Larson. So this is going to be coming the conclusion of the feud that's happening at my house. I'm Tim's wife, and I'm deciding to put it to an end. So my question for you, so I'm taking their Matt Chat question this week, is 
what is the most satisfying all-time ending to any feud that has happened in wrestling that you feel like you want to bring to the table? Now, boys, behave and say goodbye. Thank you, Mrs. Spulak. Thank you, Mrs. Spulak. Um, man, friggin' was the name Sean? Yeah, he, he took a potato there from yeah, man. Tim Spulak at the end. Uh, Those guys need to tranquil a little bit, cool, chill out. Like man, just be cool. Th- there is one. There is one blow off match in the history of blow off matches that gave such a definitive end to a feud. It went down in lore. This is one of the most important matches ever. The biggest blow-off match of all time and the most appropriate fitting end to any feud ever. The Montreal freaking screw job, Survivor Series 1997. The Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. It ended in a contract negotiation gone wrong when Vince line. McMahon. I know, and it's a damn good one, maybe your best. When Vince McMahon screwed over Bret Hart. Earl Hebner in on it. Shawn Michaels locks in sharpshooter. And before Bret Hart can say a word and get out of it, Earl Hebner says, ring the bell. He runs. The whole thing collapses. Shawn Michaels starts doing a terrible acting job of thinking that acting like he didn't know what was happening and acting like he was mad at Vince. Vince comes down to ringside. Get out of here. And Freaking Bret Hart spits a big loogie at Vince, and it was all—it was all real. It was awkward. As it you. was awkward as hell. Talk about the best blow off ever. Case closed. No, you're, but you're forgetting their true blow off is when Bret came back. Sean was there. They patched up their differences and hugged in the middle none of the ring. That, none, That's really the conclusion none of, of their that. Feud. No, because here's the thing: it happened on TV. It's totally canon. No. You can't ignore it. I can. You know why? Because neither person was the same individual. Neither person. Shawn Michaels had gone through a complete reformation. Yeah. He was a born-again Christian. Yeah. Completely different person. Bret Hart, as soon as the Montreal screw job happened, he turned into a different person. That's, that is true. So none of that. No, man, that ended. I almost put here uh, Stone Cold Rock because their final match at WrestleMania 19, Stone Cold's final match at WrestleMania 19, uh, culminated so many various stories with the end to the best feud, without a doubt, of the entire Attitude Era. Um, and finally gave The Rock his win over Stone Cold at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the main event. wasn't for the title or anything, but it was still a, a good match to uh, put an end to an awesome feud, and there was a really uh, nice moment between the two of them after the match with The Rock, after pinning him, whispered something in Stone Cold's ear. Very emotional. Um, nonetheless, I will go with Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega. Um, Okada, over the course of his record-breaking title reign, pretty much achieved everything one can as champion, mm-hmm. save for breaking Bruno's all-time longest uh, reign record. Still lots of time for that, though. Yeah. Um, so he'd already defeated Kenny once. Mm-hmm. Time limit draw the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Okada was basically unbeatable. Mm-hmm. He had gone through everybody. Um, and so even going into this match, we were both kind of unsure what Kenny's chances were. And uh, it culminated so many stories that they had been developing through the duration of their entire feud. And in the end, uh, after about, what, 65 minutes, Kenny scores the final fall with the one-winged angel, 
picks up the win. Um, unexpected, really fulfilling, great storytelling. Mm-hmm. Everything that we really love about professional wrestling yep. uh, is encapsulated by this feud. Um, and at the end, we were sitting back there at four in the morning watching it, losing our minds. Uh, it was an incredible moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say that. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. I also like, um, speaking of Bret Hart, I also like uh, the conclusion of uh, Stone Cold versus Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want you want your, your blow, and the same to be said for Omega and Okada, you want your blow-off to really change, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the wrestlers involved, be it in the case of the Montreal Screwjob for realsies. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, storyline. Or, yes. or kayfabe, And you saw that with Stone Cold and, mm-hmm. and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, obviously, Okada Omega, too. Yeah. We got Balloon Okada. It was great. Oh, it was fantastic. Good question, Mrs. Spulak. Yes. Next, Diesel. New Matt Chatter. Let's see what Diesel has to say. What's up, Stephen Larson? It's your boy, Diesel. The first time Matt Chat question. Fantasy booking scenario. And a gender match between Daniel Bryan and Becky Lynch. Who gets booed? Have fun with that, y'all. Too sweet to Steve. Hearty handshake to Larson. I'll let y'all later. Thank you, Diesel. Thank you, Diesel. And welcome to Matt Chat. Yes, thank you very much. You this may a- be one day Matt Chat Hall of Famer yes. as well. Um, this one's tough. No one's more popular in WWE right now than Becky Lynch. And, True. And while you might be correct that with your answer, I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Almost did. Oh, my goodness. I don't see anybody booing Becky Lynch under any scenario. Yeah. Um, what did, whereas, what did Bubba Ray say on his podcast or his radio show, whatever it is? Oh, like she she had to kidnap Ric Flair or something and hold him hostage. That would be amazing. That's gonna get her more over. Oh man. Um, the only whereas I can see Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan likes to play. He likes to be a heel. He has fun being the heel. Yeah, but at this point, everybody else would have fun with it too. Yeah. So I. It, it, I don't feel confident about this answer because the way WWE booked this, if this match were to happen, it'd be a face versus face scenario. So Daniel Bryan wouldn't do anything heelish. Um, but no one's going to boo Becky. So by default, I have to say Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to break the answer mold. Nobody, nobody would know. Number one, people would be so geeked for intergender wrestling in WWE. So that's a one thing you cheer over B. Everybody loves Daniel Bryan. Everybody loves Becky Lynch. Everybody would just be, oh, man, are you kidding me? It'd be like Woodstock. It'd be a peace festival. They'd all just be, you know, but except a lot of like, but it'd be like, you know, some sort of cool metal uh, act playing because everybody would be like headbanging and cheering and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they do at metal shows. I don't go to those. You should. But, uh, but yeah, nobody would do that. Nobody yeah, probably Nobody would boo anything. Probably not. No, you know what's funny about you? You mentioned Daniel Bryan. Maybe, maybe it could be right about Daniel Bryan, though. Um We've never seen like a sinister heel Daniel Bryan. We've only seen mischievous heel yeah, Daniel yeah, Bryan. Yeah, which is really just a route to get over. Yeah, people yeah. People appreciate the entertainment factor. Oh, of it. again, he's great. It's like oh, Kevin Owens. It's like yeah, Kevin Owens, yeah. you know? God, could you imagine a team of Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens? It'd be spectacular. It'd be great. Next. Thank you, Diesel. Great question. Uh, next, Fair Thabata. Did we get us a match chat question? We did. It's next. Hey, guys. This week, the Friendoverse wants to know, is it better for a little-known indie wrestler's career to be in a Mae Young Classic-type WWE tournament and maybe win a match or two but not get signed by WWE? Or is it better for their career to be a consistent character on being the elite? Now, not be part of the elite, 
but like kind of be one of those background characters that's consistently on the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thayer Thabata. And Friendoverse. Yes. Uh, oh, this is easy. It's being on. It's being the elite. Oh if you're on being the elite, look at SoCal Uncensored. Yeah. Um, if you're on being the elite, uh, your your notoriety, your spotlight. More importantly, your payout. Yeah, grows a lot. Through the roof. Um, if you're in one of the WWE tournaments, like the Cruiserweight Classic or the Mae Young Classic or the United Kingdom Classic, you can put that in your resume. They can put that in a poster. You can probably make a few more bucks. Um, but if you're eliminated in the second round, now it's being in, being the elite. Hold on a second. I'm going to take a look at the Cruiserweight Classic. The f- there was only one. Um, the field? I want to take a look at the yeah the the opening field the the, the competitors who didn't end up on two hundred five live who yeah. weren't already huge stars yeah uh, participants uh, okay I don't know who Alejandro Saez I'm is him. okay the name Anthony Bennett looks familiar he but he showed up a couple times afterwards okay um, Clement Petio don't remember him Petio Demac I remember him uh, Damian Slater. Mm-mm. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Jason Lee from Hong Kong. Kenneth Johnson from the United States. So let me ask you this, like, like, uh, let's say Tyson Ducks. Yeah. Um, oh, Tyson Dukes. He was in, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. I didn't know that. Um, what do you, you know, he goes on the Indies and you can put, you know, Cruiserweight Classic competitor Tyson Ducks. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that improves his payouts or Dukes. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. I don't Maybe know. it's Dukes. I, I thought it was Dukes. Could it could be. be totally wrong. It could be. Totally Who knows? Um, either way, I'm sure he can get a bit more money. He can put that in the poster. People might show up because it, it says WWE competitor. People also might say, you were in the Cruiserweight class? Yeah. Yeah, first round. Lost in the first round. Oh. Was it televised? Yeah. Yes. It was on the network. <laughs> right? But then if you're on being the elite, oh my God. Suddenly that's, everybody knows who you are. That's rarefied air. Chanting your name. So it's definitely being on being the elite. Yeah. That question. Not even a question there. Next from Stephen M. Let's see what Stephen M. has to say. It's your Irish linguistic expert, Stephen M. here with another match chat question. Now, I've got a question for yourselves. Who should be pushed on both Raw and SmackDown out of all the underutilized players? For example, the club or the revival or few jobbers like Ty Dillinger and Kerr Hawkins. So pick a jobber. A male single wrestler, a female single wrestler that's underutilized, and an underutilized tag team from both brands. Maybe pick a brand each and tell me how you'd push them and how you'd plot them out to maybe win a title. Too sweet. Hardy Handshake, Steve Shoulderly. Thank you, Stephen M. Thank you, Stephen M. I've lost track of who goes first. I'll go first. No, you go first. You're okay. Raw. You're the A-show. Man, okay. Jeez, where to begin? Steve's going to take Raw. I'll take SmackDown. I'll do this. I'm I'll, Number one, it's, it's Bobby Roode. Um... Uh, yeah, you just push Bobby Roode because do I have to explain why? Turn him heel, push him, push him. No, <laughs> do I? I do not even have to explain why. Bobby Roode, uh, Revival should have had the tag straps before Authors of Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's funny? I have Sasha and Bailey written down here because it's like, man, Charlotte and Becky Lynch are doing great things on SmackDown, and Sasha and Bailey, they have a decent spot, I guess. They're going to be tag team partners whenever they unveil these tag championship titles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like. Uh, Sasha and Bailey kind of can go on their own momentum. Do something different with the Riot Squad. They're like marvelously talented. Lots of charisma. Great chemistry. Creative doesn't do anything with their characters, so nobody cares. 
So I'm going to say them. I'm going to say Riot Squad. Those are my okay, picks. Those okay. Picks. Um, on SmackDown, I'll go with Andrade Cien Almas. Whenever he's given an opportunity, he does good stuff. He's just not featured in a prominent role. He's not on TV consistently. He's not in a feud. He's he he's showing up now, and they want the, the someone to put on a great match. It feels like. Yeah, as you hear we about Zelina Vega? She had a concussion. Oh no, I didn't hear about That's that. That's why she wasn't in. That's England. a bummer. Yeah. Um, as we saw this past week in his match against Ray, almost is fantastic in the ring. Um, let him get some wins. Put him in a real feud. Yeah, that's what he needs. Um, you know, if, if whenever a, a face beats Nakamura for that U.S. title, uh, not the first feud, probably the second or third feud that face U.S. champion has should be against Almas, and Almas should win that belt. Yep, yep, um, I agree. Or even do a freaking, you know, Nakamura, I know he's he's a heel technically, but this whole United States of Nakamura thing, United, what is it? Knock America. Knock America thing. I mean, that could easily be a tweener thing. Oh, yeah, just absolutely. have him and Almas for three matches. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, God. Give me that. Um, in the women's division is Asuka. Asuka, 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 Asuka. If <sighs> she doesn't uh, single-handedly win the Survivor Series match for Team SmackDown, they're doing it wrong. In the tag division, Sanity. They're not even on TV. Yeah, I know. The only reason they show up on TV this week is Nikki Cross. Introduce Nikki Cross, yeah. Um, but hopefully now that she's there, she will serve as a catalyst to get them on TV more often, a more prominent role. Um, get involved in the tag division, the tag title uh, scene. Um, they're all really great. So yeah, sanity for sure. Yeah, you need to get you need to get sanity into a thing with Thebar. Mm-hmm. Especially you got now Big Show and Thebar. Mm-hmm. He can match up good with Killian Dane. With Demo, yeah. I think that'd be really good. Yeah, you need to do that. Yes. Next up, Ryan Rugani has a match chat question. Let's see what he has to say. News. This week, my question is for Stephen Larson to pick five main roster superstars that are being buried like almost insanity and put them back into nxt with one person to feud with who would it be mine would be almost versus ricochet or almost versus adam cole one of the two uh too too sweet and hearty handshake guys thanks thank you ryan thank you ryan uh oh i go first you go first oh dear. so remember when ty dillinger was in nxt oh, that was a bad idea i said there's a storyline potential there for him to become NXT champion. Yeah. And it was there. Yeah. He had momentum by him. He was super over with and the crowd. Thanos went like this. Gone. <laughs> um, bring him back to NXT. To do, what is this though? To feud with who? Oh, that's a terrible, you want, to, he gets so buried. You want people to boo Ty Dillinger? They're not going to boo him. Yeah, they will if they get super violent with Ty Dillinger. Oh, the Undisputed man. Era destroying Ty Dillinger, and eventually he picks up a W over Adam Cole. Adam Cole doesn't care about winning or losing. He's lost a ton in NXT. I don't know, man. He doesn't care about any of that. I don't know about all that. Um, it would do wonders for Ty. He's not doing anything. He's hurt right now. Ever since he got called up, <laughs> he's they haven't done anything with him. That's true, man. Um, you know, I guess in hindsight, me saying he's going to win the NXT title. That didn't pan out, obviously. How about this? I got, I got an idea. Let me do this because you're, you're done. Um, Johnny Gargano. All right? right. Let's say, and I, I kind of agree with you that I'm not sure he's actually going to win the NXT title because that doesn't, that's not necessary for him to complete his character arc. However, let's say they go that route. He finishes the takeover, finally conquering his own demons and Tommaso Ciampa to win as a face the NXT championship. Everybody loves it. And then he's attacked by masked attacker, and it ends up being a new vicious, uh, haircutted Chad Gable back to NXT, saying Gargano, you're basically me, 
but I just came around too early because they're both big wrestling guys. They both have that kind of next door dude personality thing. And so he's attacking Johnny Gargano for essentially being him, before, Chad Gable. Before, before he was him. Yeah. Before there was him. Yeah. It was It's evil Chad Gable coming back to fight good Chad Gable in the form of Johnny Gargano. And Chad Gable, I think very quickly because of how good of a wrestler he is, he would fit back in. It's so difficult not to think of guys going from main roster to NXT as failures. It's so difficult to not think of them that way. I think Gable is probably the one guy who'd come back and people would accept him because he'd be putting on some stellar matches oh, yeah, yeah, off yeah. the bat. Yeah. And you'd need to reform his Well, character. I think also with NXT, too, if you go to Maine and come back, if there's the sense that you had unfinished business in NXT... Yeah, that could could make some sense. That could be. Uh, Next, Christian List. Is he still still working this one? I don't know. I couldn't tell. All right. Christian, let's see what he has to say. Sup, Steve. Sup, Larson. It's the Hall of Famer Christian here with yet another Matt Chat question. So we all know about the countout that will never happen, the 10 neat things Edge has ever done. But my question is for you guys today is who other than Edge, has done the most neat things in the history of wrestling. Thank you, guys. Too sweet, hearty handshake, shoulder lean, and I'm coming to W, Steve W. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Christian. So we both came up with the same name uh, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and it's Randy Orton. Yeah, it's Randy Orton. Buried amongst Randy Orton. Randy Orton's career is kind of like an episode of Monday Night Raw. There's like an hour of good, really, really good stuff, and then two hours of just Randy checked out. Yeah. But that good stuff has, really good. is really good, and if you extrapolate a 13-year career or however long he's been around uh, to like my, my you know, one-third of it is really good, that's like five years of really, really, really yeah, good four stuff. Four and a half years. Four and a half really years, exactly. Good stuff. So let's, really let's, good let's stuff. list off some neat things he Hunting he's people in the head. He kicked Mick Foley down a flight of stairs. He birthed Cody Rhodes' career. Okay. okay. <laughs> he's been in the third most Hell in a Cell match. It's seven. 13 time world champion, or maybe yeah. 14 now. I don't know. 13. 13. Yes. Still 13. Triple H is 14? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he put a screwdriver through Jeff Hardy's ear. That was just. A couple weeks ago. Still relevant, Randy Orton. He shook people's hands as a way of hazing them after he touched his own private area. Well, that's not so neat. It kind of is, though. He crapped in somebody's luggage. That's less neat than the first no, thing. No, it's I still think. not It's not neat at all. It's still, but while you mentioned that one. It's still kind of neat, though. Because it's a funny story. His Instagram antics with his family and especially his wife are hilarious. That's all very neat stuff. Um,. Uh, he had a, a what was either a groupie or a, a, an escort, a hooker, pinch his nipples on an episode of Raw. Remember when Evolution? Mm-hmm. He did the Evolution. He was an Evolution yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all very. That made me uncomfortable. Yeah, it did. Um, he learned uh, Bray Wyatt uh, teleportation yes. and I beam powers. Yes. Well, almost I beam. Yeah. But teleportation, yes. <laughs> yeah. He managed the feat of burning down someone's house while remaining a face. <laughs> well, they wanted us to That's an impressive that. feat. He did burn down a person's house. Um, and we're only talking about right now about the stuff that he's done like lately. So, like, yeah. He's done a lot of really, really neat stuff. Some stuff not so neat, but. Yeah. Apparently, The Undertaker was totally cool with, with Randy Orton beating him. To end the streak, yeah. To end the streak, and then they never did it. Nope. 
Randy Orton also, I think, tried to politic for Christian not to lose his title to Randy Orton. That's correct. That's really neat. And he's got the reputation for being an incredible safe That's worker. That's the neatest. A smooth, botch-free worker. Mm-hmm. So he can be trusted in the ring. Boy, he's done a lot of neat things. He has done a lot of neat things. You know who else has done a lot of neat things, but I'm not going to get into them, that you got to sort of... Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, he has. He's done a lot of neat things. One of the greatest uh, main event cash-ins ever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot of neat things. Yeah. Uh, next, Jeffrey Nguyen. Let's see what Jeffrey has to say. So here in the Broods theme song game, got me thinking, who made the better theme songs? Jim Johnson or the CFOs? Thanks, Renders. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey Nguyen. Oh, man. I'll go first. All right. Look, man. As much as I appreciate the legacy of Jim Johnson, of the Stone Cold theme, of the DX theme, of Jericho's theme, all they're all great. Give me the new, give me the now, give me the CFOS dollar signs, guys. Look at all the instant classics they're pumping out. Velveteen Dream. You got Lars Sullivan. That's I freaking love that song. Yeah. You've got the song that geeks us both out when we hear it, the Undisputed Era's theme oh, I song. I say Lana's theme. <laughs> That's a good one. I like Lana's that Lana's theme? You've got Alistair Blimey. I mean, they didn't. No, they did do that That's one. a collaboration. Yeah. That's a collaboration. Alistair. Oh, man. That's like. Phew, that's great. That's really good. You know, you like see Oscars, a, Ember Moons. Yeah, those are good. Whoa. I kind of feel like. Like CFOs. They're they're kind of like ELO in my mind. Oh my! Give me it, but there is a wide variety of tunes that they're pumping out. I know, but amongst the various genres they dabble in, I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of difference between them. Uh, Jim Johnston has created some of, if not the most classic, memorable, and timeless wrestling themes ever. Do we know? Who ever d- do we know? Because there was some overlap there. Do we know who did the trifecta of Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose? We do not. Mm. They all sound very similar, though. Because whoever did those ones, whoever isn't that person, wins. Because you're right. They came in around the same time-ish, a little bit, and they all sound the exact same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whoever did those, let's see if I can find out. Yeah, find out while I'd make the case. I mean, you mentioned it. Stone Cold's theme. Timeless. The Rock's theme. Timeless. DX's theme. Timeless. Uh, some underrated cuts. Triple H's first theme. Fantastic. The Brood's theme. Awesome. Yeah, Brood's really good. Um, and the thing about they, they don't really sound dated per se for the most part. DX does a little bit because they got the guy rapping over the guitar stuff. Um, it's kind of the new metal thing. That's a little mm-hmm. dated. But like the Bruges theme, we heard it on SmackDown a couple weeks back. It's like, oh, man, this still sounds pretty fresh. This sounds like it could have been written not that long ago. CFOs, huh? Damn. You know, they were just starting out at the time. Oh, okay. It was the, begin- it was the beginning. Jim Johnston wins. <laughs> Jim Johnston. Oh, man. Uh, oh, no, you know what? There's a third answer here. The greatest person to write theme songs in WWE history, Lemmy. Oh. <laughs> Evolution and then Triple H. The He's song. got two Lemmy themes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, next, yeah. Bobby Mincy. He returns. He's returned. Let's see what Bobby I Mincy knew you'd return. has to say. Hey, Steven Larson. Bobby Mincy back with a Matt Chat question. Steven Larson. Let's say Jay Lethal finally gets his just due and is finally offered a contract to WWE. 
I want you two to decide on what would probably be better for him and more entertaining for us and just overall best. Jay Lethal showing up as Jay Lethal or Jay Lethal coming in as Black Machismo. Let me know guys. Too sweet, hearty handshake, shoulder lean, everything else. See you guys. Thank you, Bobby Mincy. Thank you, Bobby Mincy. Here. I love Jay Lethal doing the Macho Man thing. It's hilarious. Um, the issue is, in WWE, when you have a comedy gimmick, what's the ceiling? Low. Yes. Jay Lethal, he's an incredibly talented competitor. Um, and, and if he were to come in just doing the comedy thing, he'd be mired in the mid-card at best, never really achieving uh, what he probably could just being Jay Lethal. Let me ask you something. So just be Jay Lethal. What's Jay Lethal's, as Jay Lethal's ceiling? U.S. champ. That's about what his ceiling is as a comedy act. That, that's a comedy act ceiling also. It's, here's the thing. I love Jay Lethal. I yeah. love him. When he's not doing the comedy stuff, he's a bit on the boring side. I haven't seen a lot of Jay Lethal. I haven't seen a lot of him. What I've seen... The the Macho Man stuff is flipping like dead on. Perfect. Oh, it's hilarious! Yeah, it's great. There's another thing about that though. If that were his entire gimmick, it's 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 funny and it's fun in bits, but if that's all he did. No, he like it. Like the novelty would get I would kind of get you're, old. Well, you're right. You're at, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying it's just funnier to think that if Jay Lethal came to WWE and had a three year run as Black Machismo and that's all he did and then left, that would be the biggest head scratcher ever. And that would be <laughs> that would be something else. <laughs> oh man, Zach S. Oh, Matt Chat Hall of Famer Zach S. Let's see what he has to say. What's good, Steve Morrison? Many friend notes out there. It's your official friend note first. Matt Chat Hall of Famer. Zach Guest, coming at you with another match at question. Question this week is, in the two to three years, what I saw is going to be projected to be Roman Reigns' time being out. Which one of these two superstars from NXT would you say at the time would be Universal Champion and would feud Roman Reigns better? Velveteen Dream or Adam Cole at that time? Who would you feel feud with him better? Thanks, boys. Thank you, Zach S. Thank I, you, Zach. I hear tell he had all-you-can-eat steak for his 18th birthday. Steak is good. Yeah, man. He's got his whole life ahead of him now, and he, he started off with all-you-can-eat steak. I wonder if there's any place around here that has all-you-can-eat steak. That sounds delicious. Uh, and there's a quality steak. Well, that dude, you, can you ask for one and get the other? Yeah, you have to. <laughs> If I'm eating all I can, all I can eat steak, then I want good steak. Yeah, I don't, I don't think want you, tough meat. I don't man. think anybody has. Because all I can eat steak, it's not going to be a whole heck of a lot. Nobody has premier select all you no, can I eat steak. I want USDA choice. <laughs> all you can eat. You're going to be paying a lot of money for That's that. That's fine. Thing. As long as I don't get good stuff. All right. Uh, I think it's Velveteen Dream. Um, the thing about Velveteen Dream is that people will totally be cool booing him. And nobody's gonna boo Roman Reigns. You you want you want a situation where Roman Reigns isn't his 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 return is gonna be so precious. Nobody's gonna boo him. Nobody's gonna want to boo him. But you introduce Adam Cole into the equation. Oh, I don't want to boo Adam Cole. I've got Adam Cole here. He's he's, he's the best. He's select. Mm -hmm. So I can't boo him. Mm -hmm. So what, what what can I boo? Well, Roman Reigns is here. I used to boo him all the time. He's fine. Now he's healthy. I'm going to boo Roman Reigns. You don't want that. You don't want that. Mm -mm. So you want Velveteen Dream because people are like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he can be kind of a prick sometimes, even though he's so interesting and he's so good. 
I, I'm cool booing him. He doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care. I'm going to boo him, not Roman Reigns. I'm going to go off script here because you're right. Uh, no one's going to boo Adam Cole. Uh, perfect call-up from NXT to feud against Roman Reigns. Lars Sullivan. Oh, yeah. That'd be perfect. Oh, that's a good one. Everybody will boo Lars Sullivan. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's, 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 I boo him now. Yeah. Um, Except I love his theme song. His entrance is so good. It was better when he showed his rear end towards the audience. So comedically, it was way better. But dramatically, man, they really killed it. Oh, the silhouette's great. Oh, that cor- that's choreography fan- that's is fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Lars Sullivan. Bring up Lars Sullivan. Have him be <laughs> Universal <laughs> Champion. <laughs> Feuding against Roman Reigns. Reigns beats him. Everybody cheers. <laughs> Next, Devin the Dude. Devin the Dude. See what Devin has to say. Hey, friendos. It's Devin the Dude uh, here with another Matt Chat question. Uh, my question is about TLC. Uh, I would like to think what matches you think are going to be at the show. Um, I don't know who Becky's going to face. I mean, I'd be shocked if it's Charlotte after this whole crisis of confidence storyline that they're trying to uh, do on on SmackDown. But uh, I want to th- hear what you guys think is probably going to be some of the card and some of the projected matches. But uh, let me know, guys, and uh, stay strong, brothers. And uh, hey, look, Steve, it's a Star Trek effect. That's for you, brother. Devin the dude out. Thank you, Devin. Here's one thing that needs to happen at TLC. Miz needs to become WWE champion. Oh, wow. That needs to happen. Oh, at TLC, not a Royal yeah. Rumble. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It probably will be at the Rumble, but TLC. Make it happen at TLC. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Um, yeah, I could see that. Because um, I feel like if it happens at the Rumble, then he's got, what, three-month reign? Give him the extra month. Mm-hmm. Give him a four-month reign. Okay. He's champion. That's good. Oh, I like that. I okay. think of the rematch. He and AJ can have a rematch at, at the Rumble. That's good. And then if they're going to do AJ, Shawn Michaels ever for Mania, they can start down that road. Have Daniel Bryan win the Rumble. I don't really have anything beyond that. Um, well, who's Becky? Who who should Becky face at TLC? Because we had originally thought that it was going to be Becky versus Charlotte in like a TLC that match. That made all the sense in the world. But that seems to be, they seem to have finished with that feud. Yeah, and in retrospect, after seeing that last woman standing match. Oh, it's great. You don't want to try to top that because you can't. I mean, do you want to do Asuka this early? Because I don't want to know. You want to keep Asuka away from that because she's going to lose. You want to keep Becky Asuka at Mania maybe. But then you don't want Asuka losing two years in a row at Mania. Hey, you know what? What about this? They had Mandy Rose turn on the entire women's division. Becky Lynch versus Mandy Rose. I want to see what Mandy Rose can do. Maybe right. Becky Lynch can make a real pro wrestler out of her. All right. You know? All right. Maybe. Outside of the box. I'm really bummed out, though. I really like Absolution together. Me too. I don't want them to break up. Same. That'd be a drag. There'll probably be some sort of Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins match here, too. Yeah, that seemed, yeah I was going to say that, too. For the Intercontinental title, maybe. Although feels... Dean shouldn't really care about titles. Um, no, but he should care about hurting Seth yes, Rollins. Exactly. Seth Rollins covets. It's the workhorse title. We have also a text question from Nemo of the Freak Legion. Uh, she says, how many members does it take to turn a tag team into a faction? And how many members is too many members for a faction to have? Three. Three, uh, three is the number to turn a tag team into a oh, man. faction. New Day is a tag team. They're in the tag and, team and, division. And a faction. They are not a faction. Yeah, they are. No, they are three not is a, number. a faction. They are a tag team. Three is a number. It is four. No. Because three these days, what's the bar? It's a tag team. What's Sanity? A tag team. Well, Nikki Cross is in there. It's four. That's a faction because they have Nikki Cross. Um, so a faction is a tag team, a guy and a gal. 
and then the most you want is a mid carter also. Um, so that's five. Uh, and so if you add another person there, what the hell are they going to do? Although I guess these days, if two is a tag team or three is a tag team, like I said, you got three, you got a woman for the women's division, you got a main event dude, and you've got a mid-card guy. So I guess you could have six and be okay. Seven's too much. Six is the, is, is the limit, the upper limit. Six is the absolute the upper limit. Six is absolutely the most. Um, but it also depends on who is members of faction. Um, main like, eventer, mid-card, women. Well, I mean, you don't want, for example, like the NWO when they started bringing everybody in, there was main eventers and there was lower card people. It was just a, a, a mishmash of people from around the card. Ooh, and, but hold on a second. What? Now the upper limit's eight. Why? Think about it. Main eventer? Uh-huh. Mid-card. Yeah. Tag team. Okay. Woman's division? Yeah. Woman's tag. All right. Now you've got eight. That's what we've done with Slow Wolfpack. That's why it's the most dominant faction in fake wrestling. Yeah. Eight, maybe. I was going to say six, I think, is the upper limit, but it depends who's in it. If they're all kind of on equal standing, you could have more. Because Slow Wolfpack is because it has, look, you've got Undertaker, no, know, main event, yeah. Baron Corbin, mid card, and Money in the Bank. So he's like upper mid card. Yeah. Woman's tag team, Drew Dean. And then Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler. That's seven. No, eight. You're right. But it all kind of depends on who's in there. You don't want to, if they're all kind of on equal standing, roughly. You can't have two main eventers. You shouldn't have two singles women's competitors. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like all across the board, it'd be kind of an equal yeah, footing. you shouldn't do that, no. Yeah, everybody needs their own division to dominate. Yeah, yeah. If you start crossing over, then they're going to want to, like, fight each other. But that could be interesting. It doesn't make sense, though. No, it never made sense is how they they created the NWO and they want to create, like, a splinter promotion. So would members of the NWO just wrestle each other? Yeah, you never could wrap your head around that. It doesn't make any sense. I just chose to completely forget about but it. But they also had, like, a... Pay-per-view with like a toilet thrown. That didn't they make any sense either. They also rode into a pay-per-view on, on garbage trucks. It's, it really is just the perfect metaphor for everything yeah. WCW. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for us. That's it for Matt Chat. Thanks so much for tuning in to $20. The Patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson gets your uh, video here on Matt Chat. Hey, uh, a dollar does it. Not that you won't get on Matt Chat for a dollar, but you get to watch the show ad-free and you're super supporting going in raw uh, with $1 a month. Patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Tell your friends. Until next time, talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.